0: We're going to continue in our series this year talking about pursuing the king, right? Um, And last week we talked about Herod and, and we talked about how it's possible to even pursue right things, but with a wrong heart and wrong motives and get nothing out of it. Right, it's possible to do that. It's possible to pursue even God, right? Even the Messiah. It it was possible to pursue him, and yet leave completely unchanged from his presence. And we saw that both in Herod's story, and we saw that um, as as we looked a little later on, as we were talking about Simon the sorcerer and kind of how his whole thing went. Like it is possible to pursue wrong things right, Um, that seem good, and it's possible to pursue even good things with wrong motives, and then we don't get anything out of it. But so today I wanna just talk about uh, pursuing um, with, with right motives, but sometimes it's interesting as we go through this Christmas story How many of you have heard the Christmas story at least a million times, right? Like it is, it's nothing new. You have heard it multiple times your whole life, and all the. And so, you know what starts to happen when you hear a story over and over again is you just get used to it, right? And we can talk about things like a virgin giving birth, like talking about how I'm going to have an omelet for breakfast, right? Like I mean, we just do that we we talk about these great and miraculous things as though it's just commonplace because the story has become so common to us and and it it's so. Easy to lose the awe and the wonder, and actually see what happened in it, and and so we're going to talk about the other people that were involved in the story that we read last week. We're going to talk about the wise men. Now, if you heard, if you were here last week or you listened to it last week, you know that when we set up a nativity scene in our house, I don't like the wise men in the nativity scene because. Um, I don't, they weren't there that first night. So, like, they're just kind of like off to the side, like they're in the windowsill and, you know, moving their way toward the manger, um, you know, as they go. And that's, it's, if you've got yours in there, that's cool. I don't judge you, you know. Um, um, it's like, it, it, it's just one of those things. But I want to talk about pursuing the right things in our own way sometimes. Like, have you ever pursued something and you weren't quite sure about it when you first started the pursuit? Right? Like maybe it was a new hobby. You're, you're just trying to find a new hobby and you're not quite sure if this is going to be the one, you know, the, the hobby that you're actually going to enjoy, but, but you're just going to try it out for a second. You're going to go after it for a little bit and just try it out. I, if, is, if that's you, that's awesome. If you know me, I'm incapable of that. It's not enjoyable to me unless I dive in with both feet, you know, like spend all the money, get all the stuff, do it. Like I just, I don't do hobbies halfway. Like if I'm going to do it, it's all the way in. Um, But, but like my wife right now is trying to find uh, this thing. She's, she's put a little bit of time and a little bit of money into it and just trying to see if it's for her. And you're just kind of cautiously out there. Maybe, maybe that's how it was with your spouse. You saw this person that was over there and you're like, I'm not sure about that one. but maybe, you know? And so you start to take a couple steps toward it. Like some of you maybe saw that one and you were like, that's the one for me, right? Like, and there was no question, no hesitation you were in, right? Um, But but like, you know, we see these, we see these things out there sometimes and we're just not 100% sure about them, but we're gonna go try and figure it out anyway. And I want you to know, I truly believe that's the story of the wise men and the story of Jesus. I don't think they knew what they were looking for. I don't really think they had any idea the magnitude of what they were involved in that night, in that whole trip as part of this story. I don't think they had any idea. The reason for that is, is they didn't even know where he was gonna be born. They just knew something great was happening. We talked about this a little bit. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter two, okay? Matthew chapter two. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know right where Matthew is. If maybe you're here um, and, and you're not super familiar with the Bible yet, you can use your electronic version and you can find Matthew in there. Um, but if you've got a paper Bible, as you're turning toward the New Testament, you know, from the old, you're gonna get a whole bunch of weird weird names like Habakkuk, right? And then eventually they're gonna look familiar to you and that's, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're looking for Matthew chapter two. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? Let's talk about it for a minute. Let's just stop right there and talk about it for a minute. How many wise men were there? Some. We know they brought three gifts, right? If you study like ancient literature and stuff, they think they even know the names of these three guys. But the Bible never tells us there was three. It doesn't tell us what their names are because that's not important. Right? They're a part of the story, but they're a part of Jesus' story. Their names are completely unimportant. Unimportant. In this story. And I'm not trying to like degrade them as human beings. I'm just saying if God really wanted us to know exactly how many there were and exactly what their names were, we'd have it in the Bible. Right? Like that that that's fine. But we know some wise men came. Where'd they come from? The East. Right? They they come from the East. Somewhere. In the East. Right? We don't know where. Somewhere. From the east. But they come looking for something specific. What do they come looking for? A newborn king. They're not looking for a Messiah. They're not looking for a savior. They're not looking they're looking for a king. You need to hear that this morning. They pursue Jesus, but they're not sure what they're looking for yet. They don't, they don't know who or what he is. They don't know all that he's going to become. As a matter of fact, they don't even know where he's going to be. They go to the palace of the king because if a new king is born, the best place to look for a king is in the place where the kings would usually live. Right? Like, I mean, it makes sense. We don't really know much about this guy we don't really know what's going on. All we know is there's a king of the Jews that's supposed to be born. We, we read about this star that showed up, right, that, that we followed to find the king, but it's hard to just follow a star to an exact location, right? You can, you can follow the north star, but good luck you know, being exact on your route. You can move generally north, right? But it's probably not as good as your GPS, Right? Like, like, So they're following a star. They follow it into Israel. They know that there's a king being born, so they go to the palace of the king that's there, and they're like, we're here looking for the new king. They're not looking for Jesus. They're not looking for a savior. They're not looking for the Messiah. They're not looking for the son of God. They're looking for a new king. Right? That's what we know. Anything beyond that is just us guessing, which is fine. I like to guess. Let me tell you, I've mentioned this last week. I believe that these guys were from Assyria or Babylon, right? I, I believe that because if you look at the Old Testament, the Assyrians and the Babylonians came in and they wiped out the northern and southern kingdom of Israel, right? Israel and Judah, when the kingdom had split after David's grandson was a trying to find a word. Um, not a smart man. How about that? Um, he did some really dumb things. Um, and so the kingdom split. And it didn't split in half. Judah stayed with the kingdom uh, or the, the lineage of David. The, the other 10 tribes, right? The Levites stayed because the temple was in the southern one. But the other 10 tribes break off. That's it. We have two different kingdoms. And at different times, these two kingdoms completely walked away from God. Completely walked away. And so God says, all right, you don't want me? I'll just remove my hand of blessing. And by the way, there's these huge empires growing that people are gonna be talking about 2,000 years later. You don't really know that yet, but you're going down. Because my hand of blessing is gone because you've walked out from underneath of it. And so Assyria and Babylon come in and just annihilate these two countries at different times. We know they empty the temple and they take it, right? They take the stuff in there. There's gold. There's all kinds of cool stuff in there. What else is in there? The Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments. they're in they're in, uh, the in the Ark of the Covenant, right? We see We see that happen. We see Moses' budding rod got put in there. but specifically, one of the things that they would have taken would have been the scrolls that held all the Old Testament prophets. And we see some wise men, some learned men from another country somewhere in the east see a star and come looking for a king so i think these guys were part of that crew not the people that originally sacked it but in that area where they would have had access to the jewish scrolls right and so they studied them just enough to know that this star was significant and where to go look That's just my two cents. It's a total guess. Don't take that as scripture because it's not. I like to study and nerd out about things that most people don't care about. But I think they came from those countries, but they didn't come looking for a Messiah. They came looking for a king. And I want you to hear me today. There's probably people in this room that are here and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Right? Like you're just trying to figure it out a little bit. Right? Is this real? Is this for me? And you're, you're probably, like you've heard some things. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you and they said, come try out my church. My pastor says dumb things all the time. You'll at least laugh a few times. And you're here and you're just trying to figure out if it's for you. I want you to know that's part of the Christmas story. The wise men didn't come to be saved. The wise men came looking for a king. They were confused. They knew part of the story. They knew a piece of it. They knew some of what Jesus was born to be. But they did not really know what they set out to look for. But they were willing to take that step and go look for it. And that's a big step. Traveling in this area in that time and place was about the most dangerous thing you could do. Right? Like it was crazy dangerous to travel. Now they probably came in a caravan. We know that they must have at least had access to money if they weren't independently wealthy because they brought very expensive gifts. But it, is da- it was so dangerous to travel in those areas at that point in time, but they were willing to check it out because their curiosity had been piqued. Most times in those days, if a new king was born, the previous king, the king's father, would send out decrees, and they would organize some sort of party, and you were usually forced to give some sort of sacrifice to the new god that had just been born. Because God, small g, hear it. But they wanted to be worshipped as gods, most of the kings in this time. Okay. So there'd be a decree and there'd be you know, some sort of party and usually some sort of like spiritual sacrifice went around it. But you know what no king had really been able to organize up until this point was that a star would show up <laughs> and that it could be followed to where he was. You know, Kings might have tried that in the past. Maybe they thought, you know what, let's try and get a star. But they weren't really gods, they were just people. And so this strange thing happens. A star shows up in the sky and these wise men learn, hey, a king is gonna be born. That's probably significant. Let's go check it out. Right? Just curiosity. Something amazing is gonna be happening. If a star is gonna set it apart, I wanna be there to see what happens. They weren't looking for a savior, but they wanted to be, they wanted to see this cool thing that was going to happen, right? And then we talked about it last week, and I'm just going to kind of read over a little bit, or I'm just going to kind of sum up. You can keep looking if you keep reading. I do want to, to just, King Herod, verse three, was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, Understand that the king who was reigning at this point in time was a vicious, tyrannical madman. He murdered his own family members. Um, this is Herod the Great. If you're familiar with history, right, this is Herod the Great. King Herod, that's who we're talking about. He was crazy and he was jealous and any threat to his power Was not okay. And these people come looking for the new king of the Jews. And Herod's like, but I haven't had any new kids. My kids are all old and trying to kill me. There isn't a newborn king of the Jews. He was deeply disturbed. Why was the rest of the nation of Israel deeply disturbed? Anyone? Why would they be disturbed that these wise men come... Knowing that a new king of the Jews has been born.: maybe because in their culture the king was considered a, a king, and here, was, you know, here they were after, and maybe in their mind a false god. Yeah, maybe. The fact of the matter is, we don't really know. Maybe it was because they were worried. Maybe it was because they thought Herod was going to go on a killing streak. Because that's really what he did every single time that there was a threat to his power. He just started randomly killing people. Maybe they were just nervous about a Messiah coming. Maybe they understood it was the Messiah, not a king, when they heard the star. And they were worried because they weren't ready for the Messiah. Understand that the Jews have been looking for the Messiah as hard as the church has been looking for the second coming. Right? Like... They are still looking for the Messiah. And they have been waiting. And they, they have been looking for the Messiah the way that we look for the second coming, right? I, I'm not saying this to mock anybody, but anytime anything happens in Israel, you know if you know church people, right? Because all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is the end, here it comes. And please don't take that as mockery. I'm, I'm not mocking I'm excited for the return of Jesus. But if you're not good with Jesus, if you just kind of know who he is in this room, are you excited for his return? Are you a little nervous about it? We don't know. We don't know why the whole kingdom was nervous. I think there was probably a variety of reasons why the kingdom was nervous. I know why Herod was upset. But I don't know about the whole nation of Israel. But what we have is we have this group of wise men coming from the east looking for a king and they spark discomfort. Right? And Herod, in a private meeting, calls all of his people together all of the wise men, all the priests, he gets them together and he's like, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Herod knows what this is. Herod knows this isn't just another king. Herod knows what's going down. The wise men might not, but Herod does. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they're like, well, it's easy. Right here, just look at this one verse. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So Herod goes back to him and he says, you're looking for Bethlehem. It's a tiny little hamlet in the middle of nowhere. But it's pretty close to here. I can point you in the right direction. Listen, when you find him, come find me. I want to worship too. He has no intention of worshiping that king. He wants to kill him. That's what we talked about last week. But I want you to get it. When the wise men left, were given no indication whatsoever that they knew that this was of spiritual significance. They're looking for a king. But I want you to see as they come, right? In verse 10 or verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I want you to hear what happened. They set out looking for a king. But all of a sudden, when they see the newborn Jesus, something happens in their heart. And they don't just come in and give him gifts. First, they worship that baby. I want you to hear how strange that is. Right? We're used to the story. I've been in to visit a lot of people's babies. I'm a pastor, it's one of the things that I get the privilege of doing. I love my children, but there's no such thing as a brand newborn baby that's cute. Please, if you have a baby and I come and visit, don't ask me, if it's within the first couple of hours, don't ask if I think it's cute, I don't wanna to have to lie. After a couple of days, they're cute, right? They're cleaner. They start to get chubby, right? They look like people. The cone head is gone, right? Like like at the beginning they're basically a blood-covered frog. <laughs> it's just what happens. I'm sorry mothers if I've deeply offended you. You're allowed to think your baby was cute. I have never been in the room with a newborn and thought, "Man, I should really start worshiping." It's never happened. And yet these people come in on this scene. We don't know how old Jesus is at this point in time 100%. We don't. But they come in on the the scene and their immediate response to seeing this child is to worship him. They left with with an incomplete notion of who God is. But when they saw him, they knew what to do. And hear me, maybe you came in here today and you're not too sure what to think about this Jesus stuff. Maybe you're trying to figure out how it all works and you're just not sure if you believe yet. Can I tell you the right thing to do when you encounter the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah who was born on that day is to worship to realize who he is and realize it's not about all the stuff. It's not about all the fanfare. It's not about, it's about God who came to this earth to save your soul. I want you to hear me today. As I was talking about the second coming, and maybe some of you are nervous, there were a lot of heads bobbing up and down. When you have fully given your life to Jesus, when you have repented of sin and follow him, can I tell you you don't need to be nervous about it? Cuz when Jesus returns, good things gonna happen. And you're going to be a part of it. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to wonder. Serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. I want you to turn in your Bibles real quick with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. If you're in Matthew, it's going to go Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts chapter 17. So Paul is traveling and he goes to Athens, right? Rome was the political seat of the world at this point in time. Athens was the learning seat of the world at this point in time. If you wanted to go and receive the top flightiest education you could possibly get in the kingdom of Rome, you went to Athens. That's where you went. People in the know got to Athens, right? So he goes to Athens, and he starts going through the entire town. And you need to hear what he does, right? Because some of us are a little overly concerned about things. Paul goes temple to temple, square to square, idol to idol until he finds one he can use. Right? If you think Paul just walked around on a street looking for it, you miss it. He went in to all of these pagan temples looking for something he could use to turn people's hearts to Christ. And finally... He comes upon the altar of the unknown God. The Athenians were so worried, the Greeks were so worried about offending a God, they had a special temple and a special thing set up so you could pray to this God just in case there's one out there we don't know about. We can can pray to this one to make sure we don't offend the one whose name we don't know. Okay? And Paul comes to this temple and he's like, let me tell you about this God. You've been praying to him, but you don't know him. You've got wrong ideas, but let me tell you about the God you don't know about. And he breaks into this incredible teaching. We're going to go to verse 24, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. It starts with He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs. That does, for he has no needs. That means like God doesn't need us to bring him food, right? Is what he's saying. He's saying, he's not saying you can't serve God. He's saying, God doesn't have physical needs like we do. He he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist as some of your own poets have said, we are his offering. He continues on, and you can see if you read, that some people think he's hilarious because there's only one God. What a laughable concept. Some people are curious, and they're like, well, let's talk about this a little bit later. And some people hear about who God is, and immediately they they turn their hearts toward him. And I want you to understand what we just read. God designed everything, but he didn't design it randomly. God designed everything to point people's view towards himself. Right? That's what scripture says over and over and over and over again that it's all made to point us to God so that we can see little glimpses of who God is until we finally meet him and know who he is. Even the night sky, right? Like I've been around, I've, I've heard so many people will say, if there's nothing else up there, seems like a giant waste of space, right? Common, common theme, right? I'm not here to debate aliens with you. It's not important, But the Bible tells us why there's so much amazing things in space. And I think it's why we keep finding newer and cooler things in space, the newer and cooler our telescopes get, the newer and cooler our satellites get. Because God said he created the heavens to show how big he is. And who he is. And the more and more we see, and the more and more we expand, and the more and more we realize how big the universe is, that should point us more and more to how big and powerful and great and beautiful our God is. It all points to him, it all is about him. And these wise men came from the east not looking to be saved, but encountering the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And even in his infant stage, they knew there was only one response and that was to worship God. And again, I, wanna, I want you to hear from me. I'm gonna repeat it one more time. If you're in here today, if you're watching online, if you're listening to a podcast later, I want you to hear from me. Once we come to the King of Kings, we're left with a decision. Herod sought the king, but for his own advancement. Herod sought the king to try and make his name great and stamp it out before it could begin. You can even come to God with bad motives and leave completely unchanged, but you have to make a decision. And the one I want to encourage you with today, whether you came into this place knowing Jesus, full of the spirit and ready to serve him, or whether you kind of eked in and you weren't sure if you wanted to go to church because it's, weird and like I don't know anybody and I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom and I don't know where it is and like you know like all of those if you've never been to a church for the first time in a long time you should just go pick one for a week and go and go just experience the lostness and the overwhelmingness of going into one for the first time not knowing anybody and where anything is right like it is if that was you this morning I want to give you a high five later we're so glad you're here I know you overcame a lot to come and I don't want to sell that short. It's a big deal, and we're so happy you're here. And now you're here, and you're hearing about Jesus, and I hope today is your day where you look and you see that Jesus Christ came to this earth because we were hopelessly lost, and he died, not so it would make, Cool cards, and we could wear crosses around our necks. But because we were hopelessly separated from Him. And the death of the Savior, the death of of the perfect Lamb, was the only way we could be made right with Him. That our sins could not just be covered by a sacrifice, but completely forgiven. And here we are, left with a choice am I going to worship the king today? For some of you, it might be your first time. For some of you, maybe you're like, well, let's see. He started his series on Christmas, December 3rd. Christmas Eve is, a, is one. So there's probably gonna be more Christmas stuff on there. But finally, maybe, maybe on December thirtieth, we won't have to do it anymore. Because... We're so used to Christmas, it's lost. The glory of what happened on that day. And maybe it's you today. You've been coming to church for so long and you know, you've know you known God for so long. You've gotten bitter by all the extra stuff and you've lost the wonder of the story of God coming to earth. Can I just encourage you today? Maybe lay down that bitterness. Maybe set down the jaded way that our hearts get sometimes. And let's just take some time and worship the king. Because he's worth it. Because it's amazing. Because God came to heaven, came from heaven to earth for me and for you. Because we needed it. God sent his son to die for me instead of asking me to die for him. What an amazing God we serve. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just going to do this real quick. Actually, you can look at me. I'm going to describe a few things first, and I don't want you to fall asleep while I'm doing that with your eyes closed. (laughs) So look at me for just a second. We're going to ask two things this morning, okay? The first one is maybe you fit into that second category and Christmas has been hard for you for whatever reason. Maybe it's a legitimate loss. That first Christmas after loss can be hard. I get it. I I understand that. It it can be difficult things. And maybe that's you. Maybe it's not a loss. Maybe it's just monotony of doing this a million times. Christmas has just lost its wonder this season. I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about the time we celebrate God coming to earth and you're just sitting here and you're struggling this morning with worshiping God, I want to pray with you this morning, okay? And the second group of people I want to talk to this morning, and we're going to ask you to move, I promise I will not call you up to the front. I won't make you like do jumping jacks or holler out your name or anything like that. But if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you came here maybe looking for something else, Maybe not sure of why you came. Maybe it was to get your friend off your back so they stop asking you for the next three weeks. But here you are this morning and you're encountering Jesus. And you want to be a part of that. I want to give you a chance for that this morning as well. All right, so those are the two things we're going to ask about. Now you can bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in that first group, for whatever reason pain loss boredom monotony this christmas has been hard and worshiping the king in this season has been difficult for you i'm not going to ask you to stand up i'm not going to call you to the front i just want to pray with you is there anybody in here that's you this morning it's just tough i want you to raise your hand i just want to pray with you All right i see you guys anybody else yeah yeah. Let's pray. Jesus. It's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy sometimes to be jaded or bitter. Things happen, God, where pain comes in and it just changes our focus. There's lots of reasons this can be a hard time. God, I don't know the story for every hand that was raised here today, but you do. And I pray this morning that you just bring hope and healing and restoration into these people's lives. God, that as we carve out this time to celebrate your birth, that you help them to just see who you are, to see how much you love them and to worship the King this morning. You're good, Jesus. You can keep your heads down and your eyes closed. If you're in that second group and you're here and this Jesus thing is new to you, you're not sure about it, but maybe this morning God's been talking to you like he did those wise men. And you know, it's time. It's time to worship the king. It's time to give him my heart. If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand. We're not gonna wait long. I don't, we don't like to manipulate here. All right, I see I see you. You can put them down. Is there anybody else in here? All right. Can you look at me for just a second, everybody, again? Here's how we're gonna go about this, all right? I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know if you know how to talk to God. So I just wanna pray. And I'm gonna ask you if you raised your hand to repeat after me, okay? I just wanna lead you in this prayer. If you're out there and you've chosen Jesus, okay? I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me too, just so we're not, just so we can take the edge off, right? For a couple people, right? If you're out there and you have not chosen Jesus and you're not ready to choose Jesus, you have our full blessing and permission to just be quiet during this time. We, We don't want you to promise something that you have no intending of keeping, no intention of keeping, especially to somebody as amazing as God, okay? But if you're in here and you raise your hand or you're in here and you've chosen Jesus, I'd like you to repeat after me, all right? Can you all close your eyes one more time with me and let's pray. Jesus, thank you. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And I am incapable of saving myself. I've tried. I've failed. So I come to you, Jesus. And I give you my life. Fill me up. Forgive me. I need you. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Can somebody give a clap this morning? For those of you who raised your hands, I want you to know that the Bible tells us that heaven just threw a party. This is such an exciting and cool thing. If you have questions about some next steps, talk to the person that brought you, or talk to me, or John, or pick a gray head around here that looks like they know Jesus (laughs) and ask some questions. They might give you a smarter answer than I do. Okay? But I want to encourage you tell somebody what just happened. Tell somebody what just happened. It's a big deal and it's worth celebrating.